0: We have been in the book of of Colossians for fourteen weeks, and we concluded uh, the book of Colossians last Sunday. However, the book of Colossians kind of continues a little bit. In fact, as the book of Colossians ends, Paul mentions uh, Onesimus, um, and Philemon connects uh, to this book naturally. And so, for the next two weeks. This week and next week, we're basically going to continue, you know, in our series, uh, in a way, um, as we look at the book of Philemon. Um, now, if you're Jamaican, it could be like Philemon, like whatever you want to call him. It's like the, uh, the Italian in the Old Testament, Malachi. You can, you can have any, anybody you want, whatever you want to call it. But this is Philemon, and that's where we're going to be today. So if you do have your Bibles, it's a very, very... Small book of the Bible. In fact, it's only one chapter. Only one chapter. So you may see sometimes, you may see something like, turn to Philemon 12. It's just they're not giving you the chapter. It's really chapter 1 because it's the only chapter that's there. So if you see that, that's why we're going to be in the book of Philemon today and shout out to one of my favorite movie series ever. The title of today's sermon is simply Born Again Identity. And uh, no Matt Damon is not walking through this door, okay? Uh, But I'm a close second, but no. Um, I think it's interesting today that as we were worshiping, uh, Pastor Aaron brought this up, this truth out uh, of our identity. It was also mentioned by Mr. Mitchell, the created the image of God. Um, It's interesting today that that theme is going to uh, continue. If you know anything about this story that I'm about to tell you, you know that most of the time when we speak from the book of Philemon, it usually centers on the subject of forgiveness. <clears throat> and may I say, we will do that next Sunday. Okay, So come back next Sunday, and we will talk about the subject of forgiveness, because I believe it's the natural thing to do. However, I believe there's another theme that runs through this book. To give you the backstory, story, was a slave of Philemon. Who this letter was addressed to. Now. There's a lot of debate here. And we're going to discuss it today. Slavery was simply. A part of the natural. Cultural landscape. Of the time. Okay there's a lot of issues. Obviously that our society has come to. uh, Understand about slavery. And we're going to talk about that again today. Because I believe Paul addresses it. But. But. To understand this, the Bible does not uh, is not condoning anything by giving the true historical context of what was taking place in that day. For instance, I'm not condoning any sort of violence by saying there was a murder that took place, you know, down the street a few days ago. There wasn't, but to my knowledge, Daniel, help me out. Um, but I don't think so. Uh, anything, Andrew? We're good. Okay, good. Um, I'm not condoning that, right, by just saying the reality, okay? And so sometimes there is a group of people, there's a group of skeptics that say, well, the Bible never comes out and says anything and condemns slavery in all these times as it's mentioned in Scripture. Well, a lot of what Scripture is giving you is the actual historical evidence of what is going on at the time. And if you'll you'll bear with me today through this entire sermon, I believe I'm going to show you how not only does the Bible speak against slavery, but the Bible attacks it at its core. If you'll stay with me, that's not the whole crux of the message today. But if you'll stay with me, I believe I'm going to be able to show you from the book of Philemon how it does that. But Onesimus was the slave of Philemon. okay? And Onesimus, he, he flees from, uh, from, from the, the chains of Philemon. Uh, We believe because of something that he did. Okay, maybe he stole something. We're not exactly sure, but we know that Onesimus flees. Okay, so Onesimus flees and he somehow winds up in Rome. So he was in Colossae and he somehow winds up in Rome. I'm trying to paint this picture for you a little bit better. Guess how far away it is from Colossae. To Rome. It's not 29 miles. It's not 2.9 miles. It is in fact 1,300 miles away. Okay? So that's... So Onesimus is a slave. He flees from Philemon. He gets 1,300 miles away. probably Probably by boat through the Mediterranean Sea. And he winds up in Rome. It just so happens. That the man who penned this... This book of Philemon, the man who penned the book of Colossae, the apostle Paul, Paul the apostle, just so happened to be in Rome during this time. We know that because we've mentioned how he wrote this letter from prison or at the very least on like a house arrest as he was in Rome. So it just so happens, which we know nothing ever just so happens happens, that Paul somewhere along the way in Rome runs into a guy named Onesimus somewhere in Rome and in their conversation, Onesimus must say, yeah, I'm from Colossae. And Paul must say, hey, I know of a church in Colossae. Epaphras is the pastor. Yeah, you know what? I know about that place because Philemon goes to that church. Philemon is a part of that church. Philemon was my former master. Can you imagine being... 13, I mean, even in today's society, being 1,300 miles away from Durham and running into someone and be like, wait, Durham, North Durham, like, m- m- downtown Durham, like, you know, Bull City, like, and then even in today's society, that's still pretty cool. But to think about, about it back in the, all the limitations that were going on in this day and age, to run into someone that you had connections with 1,300 miles away, I say no coincidence. I say 100% the providence and sovereignty of God as he's somewhere along the line in Rome connects Onesimus with the Apostle Paul. So you hit it, you get it. Apostle Paul is in Rome. Onesimus was in Colossae, flees to Rome. Him and the Apostle Paul link up somehow. They meet and Paul leads him to Jesus. Paul begins this journey with Onesimus he, he leads him to Christ. Evidently, he begins to disciple him and begins to teach him the things of the Lord and the things of his word. And now Paul, as he sends the letter to the church at Colossae, he also sends this letter to Philemon. He sends this letter to Philemon. And this letter is an appeal this letter is a restoration attempt. This letter is encouragement to restore the relationship between Philemon, the master, and Onesimus, the slave. Now, before we dive into that obvious theme of forgiveness, I want us to understand that Paul took extra time in the book of Philemon to ascribe value to Onesimus and his identity. You will see this later as we dive in. Paul did not simply order and command Philemon to forgive. He wanted Philemon and Onesimus to both realize who they were in Jesus. That's the introduction today, okay? Let's pray, and we're going to dive right into our text. Heavenly Father, speak through your word today. May your spirit open our eyes and open our hearts, and may we be willing listeners today. May we not just listen for the purpose of academics, but may we listen today uh, for transformation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, I'm going to start reading in the book of Philemon in the 8th verse. Now, there's obviously a seven verses ahead of that, um, that that we could read, and we could read the entire chapter, but I'm going to begin in verse 8. If you have your Bibles, great. If not, use an app. If not, it's on the screen, okay? Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, this is Paul speaking, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. He uses that word son here, obviously as a son of the faith. Whom I have begotten while in my chains. So as Paul was in Rome, in prison. Now, can I throw a little bit, what I, might, what I think may have happened? I think Onesimus was a, a bad cat. All cats are bad. I'm just kidding. I didn't say that from the pulpit. Sorry. Sorry. I'm just kidding. All dogs are great. Um, I think Onesimus was truly that guy. This is my opinion. I'm, I'm just trying to piece it together. Here. This, is, this, is not, uh, this is not inspired scripture here. I believe that Onesimus fled, went to Rome, got in more trouble, and I believe he met Paul in prison as a fellow prisoner. That's my opinion. That's not gospel truth. Take that for whatever you want. But Paul becomes his father in the faith. Okay, Verse 10, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. Verse 11, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me, Philemon. Paul addressing Philemon. Verse 12, I am sending him back. Therefore, receive him. That is my own heart do you sense this love and this passion that Paul has for Onesimus I want you to receive Onesimus but not even as an receive him as if this is my heart I'm giving you this is how much I care for this former servant of yours verse 13 whom I wished to keep with me I wish he could stay here That on your behalf, he might minister to me and my chains for the gospel. I'd love for him to stay here with me as I am locked in prison. (coughs) Verse 14, but without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. That your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. I want you to take this step, Philemon. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him Forever, Maybe what happened, Philemon, in your, your servant leaving and fleeing and, and maybe stealing from you or whatever he did to you, maybe that happened for a reason, that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, Paul says, to Philemon, receive him as you would receive me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, I am writing, uh, say, I, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Hey, listen, Paul says, listen, I could make you do this I could demand that you do this I could require that you do this but I'm not I'm appealing on your nature I'm appearing I'm appealing to you as a brother yes brother let me have joy from you in the Lord verse 20 says refresh my heart in the Lord having confidence in your obedience I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say but meanwhile also prepare a guest room for me for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Man, what a story. What a story. What an appeal is being made right now in this text by Paul the Apostle to Philemon, the slave owner, the servant owner. May I present to you today that Paul does a very good job of establishing the identity of the slave Onesimus. And I don't want to get ahead of myself today, so I'll leave it at that because we're going to get there. I want us to see first of all this morning Onesimus's identity as a transformed life. From a sinner to a saint. Verse 10 says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus whom I begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. He was unprofitable and now he is profitable. Hey, he was dead in his sin and now he is alive in Christ. Hey, he was once hellbound sinner. He is now a heaven-bound saint. And Paul appeals to Philemon and says, Listen, Onesimus is a transformed believer in Jesus. And can I say this morning, every single one of us that have claimed the blood of Jesus on our lives, that have placed our faith and our trust in Jesus, that have had that gospel experience and live in the grace of God, may I say this, no matter if you were raised in church, no matter if you have a bad past, a good past, whatever, we are all, if we are in Christ Transformed lives by Jesus. You say, Josh, I was raised in church, and 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 I really don't remember a time in my life where I where I, I, I would I would walk away from God. I don't even remember those times. Life has been pretty good. May I say this? Your life is just as transformed as the drug addict who found Jesus as he was lying in the street somewhere. Your life is as transformed because listen, Jesus attacked the Pharisees more than he attacked the drug addicts listen you can be uh you can be an unbeliever this morning growing up in church just as easy as you can be an unbeliever this morning never hearing the name jesus and so your life is transformed and here paul is ascribing identity to onesimus and saying this is a transformed life this man is no longer who he used to be you know anybody like that maybe that's your testimony Listen, I remember who I was before Jesus. My life's different. My life is transformed. I'm no longer the person that I used to be. And may I say this morning that we ought to take stock in our own lives and understand that if we are truly believers in Christ, the transformation that has taken place in our lives. We also ought to recognize that in the life of others and celebrate that in the life of others. And so Paul wants to lay the foundation this morning to, Ones, uh, to Philemon <clears throat> that Onesimus' identity is that of a transformed life. But it wasn't just that. He was different. Unprofitable, not profitable. Secondly, I want us to see this. That Onesimus' identity is a child of God. From slave to son. Look at the 10th verse. Here in the chapter of Philemon I appeal to you Paul says for my son Onesimus we're going to find out next week that there's some really awesome pictures of Jesus displayed in Paul and he's going to ask of Philemon okay here's one of them as Paul claims his son Onesimus obviously that was not Paul's physical son that was in a spiritual nature uh, look at down to verse 11, whom I have begotten with my chains, verse 11, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Look at verse 12, Philemon chapter 1 and verse 12, I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, uh, that on your behalf he might minister me to me in my chains for the gospel. His identity was Paul's own heart. Once again, as we'll talk about some next week, the the, the picture of Paul here being a type of Christ in this sense. His identity as a a child of God from slave to son. From slave to son. You're not not a sinner anymore. You're, You're after my own heart, Onesimus' identity was now as a child of God look at verse 15, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever, don't receive him as a slave but more than a slave more than a slave now a son, His his, his identity was no longer that of a slave but now of a son of the king a child of the king and may I say this this morning, if you have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, your identity today is not that of a painter. Your identity today is not that of a banker. Your identity today is not that of a healthcare worker. Your identity today is not that of a homemaker. Your identity today, I'm, I'm going to dig a little bit, your identity today is not of a son, Your identity today is not as a parent. Your identity today is not as a husband or a wife. If you're a blood-bought child of Jesus, your identity today should rest in the fact that Jesus Christ is your Savior and God is your Father. And listen, I can be a husband, but as I say, oftentimes, I can perform the role of a husband in this season of my life. Now, we don't like talking like that, right? Because we're married and to death this part. But how many of you know that, that most of the time, one spouse leaves this earth before the other? Listen, I perform in this season of my life, this, I, I, my identity is not in this. I perform this role of lead pastor of Keystone Church. If my identity is wrapped up in that, what happens if I'm not that one day? What happens if my identity is wrapped up in my work? I'm a healthcare professional. What happens if you're no longer a healthcare professional? But my identity is wrapped up in making money. Well, what happens if you no longer make money? But my identity is wrapped up in this skill that I have. Well, what happens if that skill leaves you? You see, Paul was driving home the point here that Onesimus, his identity was that of a child of the king. A child of the king. And when my identity and when Onesimus' identity is wrapped up in Jesus, then whether he's a slave in Colossae or a prisoner in Rome, he's a child of the king. So, whether I'm a pastor of a church or a flipper of the burger, doesn't sound that bad, not gonna lie. Just got a black stone. Um, my identity's in Christ. I don't wanna push too far, but I think far too often our identity gets wrapped up in what we do. And then what we do no longer is there or gets shaken. And everything inside of us gets shaken. Uh, If you know me well, you know I follow sports. Nowadays with podcasts and different things, you can get some closer looks at some of the personal lives of these very famous, very rich, wealthy sports figures. And one of the major issues that sports, that professional athletes face is that transition time when they begin to know it's time to retire. And then that game that they've given themselves to, most of them since they were a toddler. All of a sudden, that competition, that drive to get up every day, their identity was so wrapped in what they did, and now they know that it's time to retire. And some of them fall into deep, deep, dark places. The mental health of former athletes uh, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a very uh, real issue in today's society. You know why? It's because I listen to these guys, who most of them will be unbelievers, and I listen to them talk, and they say, man, my identity, literally, verbatim, my identity was wrapped up in basketball and now I no longer have basketball and I say child of God today I'm not saying you shouldn't love what you do I'm not saying you shouldn't be passionate about what you do some of you work in healthcare; it is your absolute passion God has married that with what you're doing some of you are creative in here and you're able to make money doing the things that you like to do creative some of you are have the engineer's mind in here today <clears throat> and you're able to push spreadsheets and I'm Thank God uh, for that. Your mind is geared towards that. You have that detailed administrative mind and you get to do that. Don't fall in love and marry what you do because your identity should not be in what you do but in who you belong to. And I believe this is where Paul aggressively attacks the, the construct of slavery. If I may take a couple of minutes and explain what I mean by this. Paul could have very easily, in fact, he even hints at it in the text. I could demand that you do this. I believe, Paul says, I believe I could tell you to do this, but he doesn't. Paul does not demand Philemon to cease owning slaves. He does not demand Philemon release his current slaves. He does not demand that Philemon reach out and find former slaves and apologize to them. He does not force Philemon. Here's what he does. He attacks slavery by challenging Philemon to see Onesimus as a child of God. He attacks slavery, I believe, at the deepest level. What is the issue with slavery? One of the main issues is that I am here and you are there. Is that I am buyer, consumer, you are product. What is the main issue of slavery is not having the proper view of, of the identity of someone else, as we said this morning. It is a failure to understand that every person, no matter where they were born, and no matter what their socioeconomic status, that we, every single one of us, was born in the image of God. God. And so you ask me today, Josh, does the Bible condemn slavery? I believe the Bible condemns condemns slavery uh, very much so. And it's in this book of Philemon where Paul says, Philemon, you need to see him as a son. You need to see him as a brother in Christ. We're about to get there. You need to see him as a joint heir with Jesus. And this morning, may I say this: all constructs of slavery could be broken down if we would merely see people as image bearers of God and treat them as such. Any construct of slavery, you say? I, I'm not sure that there's uh, uh, that there's legitimate slavery like this back at this, and maybe not. Maybe it has morphed, and today it has morphed into into, into more subtle things but seeing people in the image of God. Hey, Philemon, you are no better than Onesimus. Your bank account might look better. Your outfits you wear might be nicer. Philemon, you might be driving a newer car. Your savings account and portfolio might look a lot better. But you hold no more value than Onesimus, the servant, the poor, the less fortunate. The one, not only with not a portfolio, with not a savings account. And Paul urges Philemon. To see Onesimus as a child of God. And so does scripture condemn slavery? At the core. At the core. It would be very easy. And honestly, I'm not sure that it would be worth preaching. If we opened up to the book of Philemon and our Bibles and it said, I, Paul, write to you from prison and tell you that your your former servant Onesimus is returning. You must forgive him. And you must restore him into your house. And you must not ever treat him wrongly again. Agree? That's not what the book does. Now, Paul is trying to see not only Onesimus' life changed. He's trying to see Philemon's heart changed. And his identity came from slave to son. But lastly, Onesimus' identity as a brother in the faith. From a convict to a co-laborer. Verse 15 tells us, For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever no longer as a slave, but more than a slave to a beloved brother. Especially to me. Look what Paul says. He's my brother. But how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord. I believe this is Paul saying, listen, you know him better and he knows you better than we know each other. How much more a brother to you? And if you count me as a partner, receive him as you would receive me. Paul says, Philemon, he's not just a newborn babe in the faith. No, he's a brother. He's a brother. He's not your son. He's a brother. He's further breaking down the walls that separated the classes of that day. He's further breaking down the socioeconomic walls of the day his identity was as a brother in the faith he wasn't just a life changed by the gospel he wasn't just a child of the king but he was now a valuable fellow laborer and brother in Christ and this morning may I say to you I absolutely love those brand new believers that trust Jesus they come to faith in Christ they begin to grow quickly And they're they're a fellow laborer in the Lord. I love that. And by the way, here at this church, there is no, uh, you came to faith in Christ and now let me let let you sit for 17 years while I observe you before I ever let you speak into the lives of other people and serve other people. Absolutely not. I believe some of the most on fire for Jesus people are the ones that met him recently. The ones that met him recently. Identity identity once again I don't know this for sure but I know Onesimus was a part of the delivery team here I believe Paul wrote this to Philemon but I believe Paul also knew that Onesimus would probably read this letter and as we close today I don't believe Paul simply wrote this letter as a personal letter to Philemon in fact it was was to be read publicly I don't believe this was just to instruct Philemon or to encourage Philemon or to pursue Philemon's heart. I believe it was also a letter of confidence in what Jesus had done in the life of Onesimus. It was a letter of validation that God can save a runaway slave who I believe found found himself in prison 1,300 miles away. I believe this is Paul's way of saying that there's nowhere you can run. To get away from the grace of God there's nowhere you can hide that the arm of God's grace cannot reach you I believe this was a two part letter it was to instruct Philemon on identity and forgiveness it was to encourage the heart of a new believer a former slave an ex-con named Onesimus you say Josh what can we take away from the sermon today Number one, we need to understand that the gospel transforms our lives. Onesimus was no longer who he used to be. No longer who he used to be. When you come into contact with the grace of God through the blood of Jesus, it transforms lives. Now, your life may not visibly transform like other people's. I get it. We all have our own stories, we all have our own journeys. We all project things differently. And so I'm not discouraging anyone who has not seen a radical change. I understand. But I am saying there's a transformation from the inside out. So the gospel will transform our lives and then as we step in conclusion here, we begin to live as a child of the king. You got it? Gospel changes us. The process of sanctification begins to happen. We begin to live the life that Jesus called us to live, as Onesimus did. We see ourselves as a child of the king, we begin living like it. We begin living in the fruit of the spirit, not the lust of the flesh. We we, we begin uh, producing those gifts of the spirit, and not simply living according to our flesh. So the gospel transforms our lives, then we begin to live as a child of the king, and then we become brothers in arms with other followers of Jesus. Notice this progression with Onesimus. Paul doesn't just say forgive him. Paul says, bring him in as a brother. Paul says, serve together. Paul says have dinner together. Paul says have Mexican food after church on Sunday together. If you if it were me. Um, Paul says, go to sporting events together. Paul says, have them over for This holiday, Paul says, become brothers, fellow laborers. That's the progression of life, the progression of the life of a Christian. Jesus wrecks your life and transforms it. You begin to live like him, and then you get around other people, and you lock arms, and you get on mission. You get around other people, and you lock arms, and you say, we're going to the school today, and we're going to pray through that school. We lock arms and we say we're going to uh, go to CLI Prison Alliance and we're going we're to serve inmates. We lock arms and we say there's a need in the community. We're going to meet it. So twofold today. Paul was trying to get Philemon to understand the importance of the identity of Onesimus. We'll get to forgiveness next week. But you cannot forgive properly until you get this week under wraps it's impossible and then we begin to live with the eyes and the ears and the mind of Jesus and we understand the value of every single human being all of us created in the image of God and then oh by the way Onesimus the slave the runaway the convict I hope you're reading this because you're a son. You're a child of the king. You're deeply loved. You are valued as a brother. And Paul says, I'll even put my heart on the line. I'll put my name on the line for you. And I don't know where you fit today. Are you the Philemon maybe who needs to open our eyes a little bit more? See people for who they really are in Jesus? Maybe you're that Onesimus today. You're like, I feel like I'm a worthless fill in the blank. No matter who you are today. The identity in Christ that he gives you is the answer. Period. Heavenly Father, we love you today. God, I'm so grateful for this text I'm so grateful for this book, this chapter, really. God, I pray if there's anyone here today whose identity is wrapped up in the things that they do. And they do more, and they do more, and they do more, and they get more opportunity, and more opportunity, and more opportunity. God, may they understand that at some point in time, whatever they're doing, there may be Fewer opportunities and fewer opportunities. And God, you may take that away from them at some point in time. May our identities today, our identity be in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. That will never change. Our jobs will change. What we do will change. What we're passionate about may change. But Jesus never changes. And I wonder if you're here today and your identity has been wrapped up in everything you can do. Can you work hard enough? Can you be a good enough Christian? Can you pray more? Can you give more? Can you serve more? Can you just do and do and do? And you think in all of that, wrapping up your identity and all that, you're going to somehow earn the favor of God through Jesus and his blood. May I say this morning, that won't happen. You can never be good enough. It's impossible. The only way to understand this truth is to step into the identity that Jesus bought for you. It's the gospel. It's a recognition that you're a sinner and I'm a sinner, as we all are, for all have sinned, Scripture tells us. In fact, we were born that way. We're sinners by default, according to Romans chapter 5. And our sin, there's a consequence. There's a deserved wage or payment, Romans 6 tells us. And that payment for sin is death. Somebody has to die because of sin. You and I sin, we deserve to take that penalty ourselves. But God, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated, he wanted to showcase his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, just like we are, that Christ died for us. Jesus died for you. Put your name there. Jesus died for you. He didn't stay dead. He was buried. And three days later, he rose again. We celebrate that on Easter Sunday the resurrection of Jesus. And he did that so you could live in victory this morning. If you've never accepted the payment that Jesus paid for your sin on the cross, if you've never repented of your sin and believed on the name of the son of God, Jesus, I invite you to do that today. <clears throat> We're not gonna have a, an ending to the service where we ask you to respond by coming to the front or anything like that. What I'm going to ask you to do today, if that's your heart's desire, is I want my identity in Christ. And I know this begins with me understanding the gospel. If that's you today, I want to invite you in the quietness of this moment and the stillness of this moment, silently in your heart to say something like, God, I, I acknowledge my sin. I know that I'm a sinner. And I repent. I turn from it. I turned from my sin, I turned from my, my ideals, I turned from my works. I turn to you, I believe. I believe, Jesus, that you came to this earth and you lived the life that I couldn't live. And you died the death that I deserve to die. On that cross. You paid for my sin. I believe that you came and that you died. But I also believe that you rose again. I trust in you and I believe in you and you alone to save me to change my life to give me your spirit I wonder if you're here today and in the quietness of this moment you'd say Josh I I did that today I've never personally believed on the name of Jesus like that and today I did that in the quietness and the stillness of this moment. I would not embarrass you. In fact, I'll be very honest with you today. Myself and one of our elders, Jeff, on the stage with me are the only two people with our eyes open. Would you be so bold today if you did pray a prayer similar to that in your heart and mean it? Would you just slip your hand up so we could pray for you in response? I wonder if you're here today as a, as a Christian, as a believer. As a believer. And maybe you needed to hear today that you're a child of the King. That you're a son of the living God. You needed a boost in your identity today. I pray you got that from God's Word. If you're here today as a Christian, and the Holy Spirit convicted you that you need to make sure that you are viewing every person, no matter their, their socioeconomic status, their race, their gender no matter anything that you see them as image bearers of god may today be the day that you ask the holy spirit to give you the eyes of jesus it's in his precious and holy name we pray thanks for listening today if you're listening for the first time we would love to hear from you maybe you have a question about the gospel of jesus If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at KeystoneRDU.Church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.